Hello, welcome to Postcolonial Space. I'm Masood Raja, and today I'll briefly talk about empathy. Empathy and its role in people becoming successful. And the reason I decided to talk about it is because I just recently listened to an episode of Hidden Brain on NPR, and in that, they introduced a book called The Power Paradox by a University of Berkeley scholar. And I'll post the link to the book in the description. But it got me thinking. Now, the main argument in the book is pretty interesting, and it's based in clinical and empirical research. And what the author and other researchers concluded through their research is that most people in the world succeed and rise higher and gain power because they have empathetic personalities. That means they can relate to others, they can care for others, and that their general behavior is governed by this impulse or idea or habit of taking care of others. And I thought that was really interesting. And I am planning to read the book. I have not yet read the book. And so I won't be really opining upon the book itself, but about certain things that I heard in the interview, and then certain things from my own life and my own pedagogy that made me think about the significance of empathy in teaching and in our everyday life. So I'll briefly talk about that in this episode. So according to my understanding, the main argument by Professor Dr. Keltner in The Power Paradox is that we gain power or we access it or reach it through acts of empathy and that those who care about other people and their needs either performatively or sincerely tend to rise higher in the world and have access to power. But then something happens when they have gained power and that's also proven through clinical research, right? What happens is they stop being empathetic. They stop looking at the world from the point of view that they looked at it when they didn't have power. And so the question in the book, according to my understanding, is to figure out how to stay focused and how to still stay empathetic when you have power. And that got me thinking because the culture that I come from, let's say I come from Pakistan, from a rural culture, there were so many things that our mother said to us or our relatives said to us when we were growing up that had a bearing upon our future self, but increasingly about our empathy and our empathetic self. For example, you know, our mother would always remind us to remember where we came from. What that meant was that no matter how much power we gain to remember that we came from a small village, that we care about other people. She will also also remind us to look around 
and think how other people live their lives and what they do not have but we have and to be grateful for that but to remember that that there are a lot of children in the world who do not have what we have and i think that was a constant subtle training in not just creating our empathetic selves but also giving us tools to remember as to how to remain empathetic when we grow up or when we have positions of power and i saw that in my own life as a military officer that when i completely got into the system and became a part of it i forgot where i came from and i became less empathetic right but when i had hard times and people reached out and helped me that is when i remembered right where i had made a mistake where i had forgotten to be empathetic even though throughout my life i mean in sincere terms and in my performative identity i've always performed an an empathetic identity so a few years ago i realized that you know what are my triggers when do i respond flippantly or not carefully enough and i realized that you know when i'm responding to emails early in the morning i tend to be not very reflective right so if you came and looked at my computer there is a small sticker at the bottom of it which says be kind just two words because it reminds me every time i look at the computer screen that when i respond to someone especially someone who has less power than i am i have to remember to be who i am and that is to be kind and generous so these are some of the examples that i can relate from our, my own life which remind me as to how to become an empathetic person but how to retain that empathy when i have a position of power over them or when you know i have gained some form of power and if you look around you'll see i mean so many times we tell ourselves oh so and so was such a wonderful person but has completely changed and we use the words you know power has gone into his head or he has forgotten about us that means that in a given living culture there is always an expectation that those with whom we struggle and those with whom we work when they rise higher they will remember us right and they will remember to be kind and generous so by and large even though this book clinically kind of proves the point in any given culture we already have these kind of expectations where we expect those who might have struggled with us or who struggled in their life to be kind generous and empathetic so remember of this training in empathy through the stories that i read in my childhood and that were you know stories that were told to me that were narrated and one story i remember clearly i think our grandfather used to tell us was of this powerful wazir of the sultan right you know mythical tale who every single day for about an hour or two would vanish from the court and enter this small room and 
locked the door behind himself. And that was a constant ritual that he did every single day. And after doing it for years, one day, you know, someone reported it to the Sultan and said, you know, he does that every day. We are curious. We want to know why does he do that? And so the Sultan, the king, finally confronts him and asks him, what is it that you do in that room every single day for an hour or two? And you know, at first the wazir, the minister, was reluctant to answer the question, but then he told the king, come, I'll show you. So he takes him to that room, and in that room what was hanging there on a rack were the rags which looked like a garment, right? And a few broken things and pair of slippers. And the Sultan asked him, what is that? And he said, these were the clothes I wore when I came to this city. I had nothing, right? And then slowly I worked hard, learned new knowledges, got your favor and became a wazir. So every day when I'm in court, you know, surrounded by people who respect me because of my power, to remind myself as to where I came from, to stay humble, I come to this room to look at this and contemplate and to remind myself this is where I came from, right? These are the kind of people who helped me when I was weak, when I was poor. So that story kind of stuck with me because, I mean, we all have certain baggages from the past, right? From the times that we struggled. Now, there are two ways we handle those. If we have become blind with power, you know, power, power mighty or petty, we tend to forget those things. We tend to elide those things from our past. But if we carefully remember those mementos of the days when we were struggling and we were powerless and lived in solidarity with other people who were powerless, and if we constantly had either symbolic or material reminders of them, maybe in the long run then we'll be able to maintain our humanity. And even if we do get power, right, we will still be able to remain empathetic. And for me, what works is to constantly keep thinking of my own life, right? So if I'm dealing with a graduate student who's struggling, you know, I try to remember what were my struggles when I was a graduate student. And that tells me, that immediately puts me within the context of the struggles of a graduate student, right? Not having a lot of money, teaching two classes, trying to learn new things, taking three classes, and that kind of focuses me on the current state of my graduate students as I'm dealing with them because I know, oh, they are going through the same thing. And that enables me to be more accommodating to be more caring, caring and empathetic. Same happens when I'm dealing with, you know, my undergraduate students. In real life, when I go to Pakistan, right, and the gradations of class are, you know, more acute in a developing country. 
And so when I'm interacting with people, a waiter, a driver, right, a cab driver, a shopkeeper, or a store clerk, I try to look at them and imagine, right, what it must take for them to leave their village and come to the city for their everyday work, what kind of struggles, you know, how many children. So most of the times I have conversations with these people, you know, and I ask them where are they from. I try to speak with them in their dialect if I know it. And part of it is to remember you know, my own humanity, but to also remember that I may not be able to give a lot to a person who's working, who's a laborer. I may not be able to transform their life right now, but the least I can do is to give them the gift of a human, a generous and kind conversation. And that too, you know, I don't consciously do it. I I do it in a way that it has become my habit. But to remain empathetic, kind, and generous. We cannot take it for granted. So for that, you know, I sit and reflect every other day, especially before going to bed. I look back at my actions and ask myself, you know, what have I done today? Have I been unkind to anyone? If not, that's a good day. Have I done an act of kindness? That's even a better day, right? Have I thought carefully about my digital material, you know, face-to-face actions? And is there something I need to apologize for? Is there something I need to correct? And this brief appraisal every night, you know, kind of reminds me that self, you know, is a constant project of perfection. And the least we owe to ourselves is to constantly keep working on it. So these were some of the thoughts that came to me when I heard that interview about the book, you know, The Power Paradox. And I'm pretty sure that when I read the book, you know, it will have, of course, more streamlined and carefully crafted and argued um, information for me. And when I read it and when I, you know, have some views about the book, then maybe I'll record a specific episode about the book itself. But right now, as these thoughts were coming to me, you know, after a little bit of reflection, I thought, you know, I should go ahead and share some of my thoughts and feelings and maybe some of the practices from my past and present. And most importantly, the significance of knowing that we as human beings are a project and that we constantly need to keep evaluating our actions and those actions cannot necessarily just be about our success. They also have to be about, you know, how are we treating other human beings? Because if we do that, then maybe we can modulate our behavior, we can alter it. And maybe we can make ourselves into, you know, more compassionate and empathetic persons. So to conclude, empathy and creation of empathy for me is not necessarily just 
something that I think about. It is part of my pedagogy. I read about how to teach in an empathetic manner, but how to also teach empathy. And for that, I go to the works of scholars like Martha Nussbaum, right? Paulo Freire, Mark Bracker, these are the people whose works I've read and tried to understand and tried to incorporate in my everyday actions because I do strongly believe that humanistic education and literary studies in particular can enable us to transform ourselves and our students into caring, generous, and empathetic human beings. Maybe someday I'll record a lecture or a conversation on that as well. And in that sense, if you have any questions, any ideas, please use the record and send a message function on this episode and send me a message, send me a note, send me a question by way of acknowledgement, but also encouraging me to think more about these things and maybe your questions will enable me to think deeper and come up with, you know, not more convincing, but different kinds of way of looking at our lives and sharing that with you. That's all I have. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening to me. And thank you so much for your support. As always, I will now see you next time. And until then, stay safe. Peace and love.